0: surprise your loved ones this Christmas with a Goat Gun, the ultimate gift that won't disappoint. Shop at GoatGuns.com.
1: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I share my recent appearance on the Resilience Unraveled podcast with Dr. Russell Thackeray titled, Trends in Organizational Development.
0: Today, I'm joined by Dr. Jonathan Westover. And it's very rare for me to do this, but uh, I was a guest on his podcast, and uh, I enjoyed my time with him so much. We had such a fascinating chat. I thought it would be really useful to, re, um, to sort of re- redo it in reverse, as it were, and have Jonathan here with me today, uh, you know, joining us in the UK and saying hello and chatting about some interesting subjects. So, first of all, hi, John.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have the chance to have another conversation with you. Like you said, we we had a really fun discussion. What was it? A couple months ago? Yeah, uh, time flies. Yeah. So so I lose track. But but I'm I'm uh, coming to you here from Utah in uh, the United States, and uh, it's very hot here right now. Um, we we've been having weather up towards 100 degrees. Fahrenheit, um, which is quite warm, but yeah, uh, it's a beautiful time of year. Ah, it's gorgeous, isn't it? You the know, summer's a great time
0: of the year, isn't it? Only even get out into it, I suppose. So tell us, tell, um, tell everyone around the, my neck of the woods, then, what it is you get up to, what is it you do, what well, even how would you describe what it is you do?
1: Yeah, I'd like to think of myself as a scholar practitioner. So I'm a, a full time associate professor at uh, the university near my home, uh, Utah Valley University in Utah. Um, I've been there for about 11 years. I am a professor and chair of the organizational leadership department, and uh, I do quite a few things on campus in relation to my teaching, which is all around organizational development and change, uh, human resource management, organizational behavior, leadership, uh, ethics, those sorts of uh, topics and all of my research is related to um, global comparisons in worker uh, engagement, worker satisfaction, and the drivers of worker motivation across the world. Uh, and I have two dogs uh, yes. that uh, are in the background and are excited. Um, so, so that's the, the academic side of what I do. Um, but I do a lot, I, I try to do a lot of um, really practitioner-oriented work. I do consulting on the side with my consulting biz- business, Human Capital Innovations. Uh, part of that is I run a podcast that you were a guest on, the Human Capital Innovations podcast. And we also release webinars and lots of um, original research uh, and, and other content. The goal of which is to, to help organizational leaders learn how to better manage their people, how to improve their leadership skills, have those difficult discussions in the workplace, and ultimately to to be able to have high-functioning organizations and teams where um, they're maximizing the potential of their people. Um, so in a nutshell, I, I suppose, that's a big nutshell, but in a nutshell, that's, that's what I do on the academic and the, the, the practitioner side. Um, and then I also, you'll hear noises in the background from time to time. Uh, I have a large family. I have six children. Um, my wife is also a professor. She teaches math. And we're all working from home and doing school from home right now wow. um, because of COVID. So it's it's an adventure.
0: And and, uh, and the, everybody's interested in the dog. So um, K-8 and K-9, I suppose they're called?
1: <laughs> that's that's right. We, we So we have a, a Brittany and we have a Cavachon, um, a mid-sized dog and a little dog, and they're best friends. So that's oh. it's a lot of fun. Very good.
0: So I guess it's been a trend in the academic world to have come up with interesting ideas, to have stretched the boundaries, to have, to have pushed forward the, uh, some of the meaning and ideas over the course of the last 20 or 30 years in organisational design and leadership and all those sorts of things. And there's been an academic front and there's been a
1: practitioner front. And
0: I get the sense there's nothing really new at the moment. Is, is that fair?
1: You know, it, it's, it's, it depends on what you mean by new. Um, I mean, I think we're always pushing the edge of known, um, you know, the, the edge of truth, the, the edge of knowledge. And, and we're refining methodologies and we're getting better at explaining phenomenon. Um, so, you know, the, the statistical techniques used today, you know, versus even when I went through my PhD program, uh, 15 years ago, they're more advanced. And so we can have more precision and we can have, uh, you know, a little bit more, um, uh, detail into what we're trying to understand and the various complex, the complexities of the interacting variables. So I think the methodological advancement is definitely there. Um, which then does lead to insights in the, the theoretical world as it relates to the practical world for sure. Um, But largely, yeah, I mean, I think if we're talking about the general fields of organizational behavior, um, you know, the major principles, the major theories have been in place for decades now, and there's little tweaks and adjustments and repackaging and, you know, putting, you know, a new kind of label on it. So that is continually happening. Um, But in terms of, like, substantive um, advancement in, like, some of those core theories, I, I haven't really seen that for a while. Um, why, one of the, why
0: is that? Do you think? Uh,
1: that's, that's a good question. I mean, some of it is, frankly, a lot of what we do isn't rocket science, you know. And so, when when some of these, when like for example, when organizational behavior emerged as its own discipline, originally it was uh, an amalgamation of of all the different social sciences. And their take on organizations. So you had um, the sociology of organizations. You had uh, industrial organizational psychology. You had anthropologists, political scientists, so on and so forth. All the different disciplines were, um, you know, do there was a, a, a little piece of that discipline that would focus on organizations. And over time, you know, thirty, well, probably more like fifty years ago, they started to coalesce into like one standalone discipline, which was organizational behavior Um, and you still have organizational sociology and IO psych and and all of those. And that's actually what I did. I did my PhD in organizational sociology. Um, But, but you have this, this, uh, this organizational behavior kind of um, collection, interdisciplinary collection of work. And, and they started to uncover decades ago, some of the driving fundamental phenomenon influencing human behavior, uh, uh, group behavior, um, effective leadership, so on and so forth. And a lot of it really isn't rocket science. It's, 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 you know, sometimes I would say it's, it's, uh, just really common sense type stuff that often people forget when they get into the daily grind of just trying to, you know, run a business and deal with people and put out fires and also, you know, we, we just have a tendency to revert back to our baser tendencies and, you know, human nature. And so we end up doing dumb things over and over again when yeah. we're in leadership roles and when we're working in organizations. And so part of it is just reminding people again and again and again some of those basic principles um, so, so they, they can be effective. They can be effective leaders, effective communicators, effective collaborators, drive innovative cultures, you know, etc. Um, so there's been refinements for sure, uh, but a lot of the major theories, I think, have, have largely been there. Um, one thing that I would like to consider, I, I, I think it's it's reasonable to consider myself a, a one of the leading experts in, um, in relation to my own research, is, is global comparative studies as it relates to organizations. Um, and one of the things that I did in my dissertation I've done you know, dozens of times since in in other peer-reviewed articles since finishing my doctorate, is just demonstrate the complexity of global systems as they influence uh, organizational dynamics and the motivations of employees. And so one of the things I think we've fallen into the trap in, uh, particularly in the Western world, uh, as it relates to like the discipline of organizational behavior is to say, to, to make the argument that, you know, this theory that came out of like the university of Michigan, you know, back in the eighties um, it's been replicated a bunch of times. It's been demonstrated to be, um, you know, uh, generalizable. And so now we're just going to take it and apply it in every different context, every country around the world. And the reality is that just doesn't work very well. So any advancement I think in the field of OB and leadership largely has been to recognize the, the necessary contextualization of those theories and their application, because it's not the same in the U S you know, the UK and the U S we have a lot of similarities. There are differences too, but largely we're similar, but you start to, you start to consider, you know, the U S versus, you know, China or Singapore or you go into Africa or whatever, you know, you start to make those comparisons and these commonly accepted generalizable models start to break down. And yeah. so I've demonstrated that over and over again as I test models across different contexts and show you know how they don't fit as well uh, And I think that's important to know because that, that means that researchers within those contexts can and should continue to pursue understanding and knowledge within that con that specific context so they can drive successful, Behaviors, successful communications, successful organizational structures and design um, to help people find meaning and fulfillment and success, you know, not just in the US, not just in the UK, not just in Western Europe, but in, you know, any place that you might find yourself doing work. organizations, and work. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
0: You think about Westernization, that McDonaldization of the world, is actually part of the issue. You're right, I work a lot in Africa. And, you know, I sit there and say, where's the African model of leadership? Because actually, the very fabric of African culture is completely different. And they seem to look to the US, UK world, the big thinkers in our worlds, and say, okay, what do they say? And then you broadly work with them. And broadly, it doesn't work. And you're saying that. But where's the Chinese model? Where is it? And, uh, you know, is there something about the, the aggressive push of our ideas around the world, which is actually making everything quite so bland and actually the failure to allow ideas to travel the other way is the thing that's actually stopping new ideas coming out? Because actually, wow. if you, you know, because actually, if you look at every market in the world. None of them are like the U.S. I mean, you know, bits of the U.S. are not like the the broad idea of what the U.S. is, isn't it? I mean, having been there for some while, it's quite peculiar what the U.S. is really like. Um, And yet, it seems to have such an intellectual grip on things. But and surely now is the time to challenge it when there seems to be a slight paucity of inspiration coming out of the place.
1: Yeah, I I think you you raise a really good point. Um, You know, largely. I mean, you can go back to colonial roots and in, in the spread of, of Western culture and all, you know, all of that, I think, leads to why it is the way it is. But you're right, you know, regardless of the, those, those drivers and those reasons, you know, so many different places around the world kind of, by default, look to the West you know, for these types of explanations and for best practices. Uh, and you know, frankly, running a, a successful tech company in Silicon Valley, you know, it's probably not going to look the same as running a successful tech company in India, you know? And so you just, there are going to be similar principles um, that will apply across contexts, likely, but there's going to be major differences as well that if you don't take into account, you know, into your models, uh, you're just going to end up doing, uh, you're going to beat your head against the wall and you're going to wonder why isn't this working. And that, and then that sometimes leads to people making false assumptions or false um, coming to false conclusions about the, the inferiority of the workforce. They're not they, the human capital isn't skilled enough. They 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 don't know they're lazy. You know some of those stereotypes start to emerge, and it has you know really nothing to do with the inferiority as as some may may claim of the this foreign workforce. It has everything to do with. You know, the, the management style, the organizational structure, the way the work is designed and it's designed for, you know, workers in the U S it's not designed for workers in India, just as an example. Um, so, so, you know, we just need to be really careful about that, but, but people don't like to hear that, especially big corporations don't like to hear that because they like predictability, they like certainty, they like, um, they like consistency and they, you know, the, the preference would be most leaders would like to see, you know, kind of general policies, procedures, practices, culture that's more or less uniform across locations. And that might work okay when you're in a, you know, in Western Europe and, and there's not as much difference across cultures. Um, but man, when, when you're a multinational firm and you're in 50 different countries yeah. and I mean, it's, it's just not going to work that way. And, and you're just going to run into frustrations over and over again.
0: Yes. I, I, it's, it's interesting. I'm wondering whether the... I wonder whether the actual creation of the OB, OD, as we call it in our world, practice has been at the robbing or the ex, at the expense of all those individual little sub-practices. And almost creating these big amorphous departments gets in the way of doing unique and small research. I, I, you know I, I think to myself you know i'm an od person as well and and i just wonder whether we've we've created this thing called od but actually we've forgotten what makes it up in the first place because od's overtaken its constituent or core elements and i think they've, they've we've almost lost that richness it's interesting you mentioned anthropology it's, you know fascinating to think that would have been the anthropology of organizations you know that's when when was the last time that was that was discussed I mean, Harari probably is the last person who's really applied it to a to a corporate setting in a sense, isn't he? Um, I, I just well, yeah, wonder-
1: I, I think I think that's that's right. I mean, that's an important thing to consider. And you know, I mean, personally, I, I again, I come to ob od leadership from the organizational sociology background framing, right? And so, and I, I just notice that I tend to view things quite differently than someone who's gone through like a traditional OB doctoral program. Um, and, and people who go through an IO psych program tend to view things a bit differently too. So we need, I think what you're kind of hitting on, which I, I agree with is that interdisciplinary, the, the inherent interdisciplinarity of organizational behavior or organizational development as a field requires us to keep an open mind, to all of these different subdisciplines that have are are the contributors that made the field in the first place, and then we have to, each of those disciplines recognize the necessity of context and how context matters and the understanding of human behavior and human interactions, in, the, in this case within the organizational setting. So we have to come back to those roots, and it's so interesting because sometimes you know I try to publish something, and you know a, a management journal will say, well, that's that's more sociology. So send, you know, send it to a sociology journal. They'll say, Oh, well that's, that's more like psychology, send it to psychology or go, you know, send that over here to, you know, political economy, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, the the work I do is interdisciplinary. And so it ends, it ends up kind of touching on all these different disciplines and people in the field don't know what to do with it. And so, so then I end up juggling around trying to figure out where this thing's going to land. Um, so that it can be disseminated and people can, you know, benefit from it, hopefully. Um, But that's, that's the challenge of the interdisciplinary work, because everything in academia has become so niche, you know, that, and so, so drilled down that people tend to focus, you know, on these very tiny little specialty areas. And most academics don't do a lot of cross-disciplinary, interdisciplinary work anymore, because it's just harder to publish. And, yeah. and in the uh publisher parish environment of academia, you know that ends up driving the culture it's interesting in in our world if you if if you go to a psychological place
0: and they say sociology that's just an insult so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so thinking about leadership at the moment, I'm picking up a couple of things from you, one which is if you're looking for the next croco gold under the rainbow it, there isn't likely to be one there um but it is perhaps if you're a leader to to think about there are probably some really interesting facets hidden and, hidden in the cracks between these big interdisciplinary areas. Because actually, what you're su- suggesting is that if if something if, if someone doesn't know how to pigeonhole it, you you might have something really interesting in the wrong place. And if you're a leader and you always look in this place for insight, actually looking somewhere else might be a, an interesting angle. And and as you said earlier, you know that thing about you know. Broad perspective. I mean, it's an obvious thing to say, but you know, how many of us have this Westernised, very rigid view of the world? I mean, how how many of us have actually spent time in the Middle East or Africa or, you know, uh, the Far East, really engaging ourselves? Because we seem sometimes, especially in American UK companies, to say that well, if you go over to Africa, that's going to be career limiting, you know, for somehow because somehow that's not good enough. So when you come back as to where the real action is, you know, that'll be that'll be. That be important. And yet those people often come back with a much wider skill set. So maybe that's something we all should be thinking about.
1: Well, you know, that's certainly my bias. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. But I'm also someone who, you know, I, I inherently do, you know, I, I do, you know, comparative international work in both my research, my teaching, and my my practitioner work, you know, my consulting, and I travel a lot. So, you know, that's something that I love, that I feel is really important. The question is how, you know, I buy into that. You're preaching to the choir, but like, how do we, um, how do we convince others of that? And, and you just, what the the, the situation you just described where people say it's career limiting to go on this forum assignment, um, you know, how do we counteract that and counterbalance that um, so that organizations can learn to embrace the the global complexity and even, and, learn to thrive more because of a deeper understanding of, of differing contexts and cultures.
0: Well, i tell you what, the first step for a lot of people is to get hold of you and come to your website and, um, and sort of engage a little bit with your work. So just tell, uh, tell us how to get hold of you, John.
1: Yeah, um, you can find out more about human capital innovations by going to innovativehumancapital.com. Uh, that's our main um, corporate website. And you can find out more about our team. You can find more about, and our team, by the way, is very interdisciplinary. Um, If you go and look there, you'll you'll see a whole range of people. The the idea being that anytime we go and work on a project for an organization, that we want um, to put together an interdisciplinary team that can tackle it from all angles so that we can uncover the deeper challenges that are facing the organization, not just giving surface level band-aid type of solutions. Um, So you can find out more about our team. You can find more about our offerings. You can see some of our original research. You can find our podcast there. Um, The podcast is also available on all the major podcast platforms. It's the human capital innovations podcast. Uh, We have something like 160 episodes up. Um, We're in about 50 countries and, uh, and I would love for people to come and uh, check out the podcast and, and uh, find out more about what we do. And I'm always Uh, Happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. Uh, Jonathan uh, H. Westover on LinkedIn. You can look me up and uh, I'd love to have a conversation. Brilliant. Thanks very much for your time today. It's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It's been fun. We look forward to having you join us. Make this
0: Christmas memorable with Goat Guns. Get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection. From historical classics to modern weapons, we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast. Surprise your loved ones with the gift of Goat Guns, the perfect blend of quality and detail. Shop now and spread the joy at GoatGuns.com.